0: strap yourself in because we're set up switched on and ready to go three three, two one we are ready to start you're listening to the run pain-free podcast brought to you by the run pain-free academy Featuring biomechanics, athletic injury correction, and conditioning expert, Jessica Marie Rose Leggio. Hello, everybody. It is Coach Jessica from Run Pain Free, and you are listening to the Run Pain Free podcast, brought to you by the Run Pain Free Academy. Welcome, welcome. Go on over right now and make sure you are subscribed to the Run Pain Free podcast. And make sure you get on over to runpainfreeacademy.com and get your runner's starter kit right now. Make sure you can start running pain free as soon as possible. And by doing that, you're going to get your starter kit, you're going to get your body going, and we're going to get into it. So, Today's podcast is about the infamous muscle, the psoas. The psoas muscle is known as the muscle to the soul. And therefore here at One Pain Free, we call it the soul to the runner's body. And that is because it literally dictates body movement from top to bottom. It is a muscle that is literally on your spine. It connects your spine to your hips, to your femur. It literally connects your upper body to your lower body. Everything you do is dictated by your psoas. And if you have been listening to the Run Pain Free podcast, if you're a Run Pain Free follower, you know that biomechanics is the angle we come from. It is where we talk about everything, how the body's connected and the movers and the non-movers and what like stuff and what's dysfunctional and. The psoas literally dictates every single thing you do. And this is why we have to talk about it slowly. And so again, get your papers out, pens out, phones out, whatever you do to take notes, take notes because it is a little complex. And again, re listen to this. Listen to this over and over again. The more you listen to it, the more you'll understand it. The psoas is the deepest muscle a runner can injure. I consider it the biomechanical muscle. Now muscle is same side, biomechanics is right to left. So if I'm calling this a biomechanical muscle, it's the deepest muscle that you can ever injure, but it's also the deepest dictator of your body movement in terms of muscle. So because it aligns either side of your lumbar spine, which is your lower back, First let me be very clear. Your lower back is not the curve in your back. Your lumbar spine starts, ladies and gentlemen, I will both make this as a marker for both of you where women's bra straps are. That's technically where the lumbar spine begins. So that high up, you're in between you're still in between your rib cage, literally. That lumbar goes all the way down through the curve of your back, and then the bottom of that curve begins the sacrum, your SI joints, sacrum iliac, okay? So that entire part of the body is heavily weighted by this psoas. Now, however functional or dysfunctional your psoas is, and because it's a muscle, it's tight. Tissue is tension, muscle is tightness. When a muscle is tight, the muscle pulls on bones and joints, okay? Tissue restricts bones and joints, which then can't give the muscles the proper signals because the joints aren't able to be mobile due to restriction of tissue. Because a muscle is very tight, it pulls on bones and joints and that can create cracks, okay, very different. That's why you always wanna get to your tissue first because that is the first way and the fastest way you decrease the ability of getting really injured by not allowing it to ever get as deep as your muscle where the muscle starts to pull on bones and joints and ligaments and tendons and all that stuff. So the, with this being the muscle that's underneath all of your, literally, it's underneath all of your bones, all of your joints, it's against the biggest structure in your body, which is your spine. On the largest part of the spine, it is the most important muscle in the body, biomechanically speaking, okay? So, this muscle goes down either side of the entire lumbar, and then it goes in between your sacrum and your hip joints. So each right and left, you have this muscle that comes down either side of your spine and then goes around the outside of your sacrum, sacrum, but that's also the inside of your hip joint. And then it makes an S coming back in under the sacrum and S-ing into your femur, attaching into your femur up in your high crotch area, in your high, high groin area where a lot of you feel like you strain or pull or have no mobility or flexibility there, that's your psoas. That ain't your tight groin. Your tight groin is only tight because your psoas doesn't like that movement. Your hip flexors are only tight because your psoas is pulling on your spine. Your low belly isn't able to build because your psoas is too tight to allow you to flex and extend properly. You see how this is starting to add up now? Your hamstrings are only tight because your entire sacrum is hitched up from the psoas, pulling on the sacrum all the way up your spine, up into your mid spine, which is considered your T-spine or thoracic spine, where your rib cage is, where your breathing is, where your lungs are, and it pulls everything up, because it's a muscle, hitching up your lumbar spine hitching up your sacrum, and therefore your glutes. And when you pull up on your glutes and sacrum, you naturally pull what? Your hamstrings. So when we release this psoas, we release the hitching up of the spine and the sacrum, relaxing the glutes, and therefore relaxing the hamstring insertions at the sacrum and hip joints. And everything goes into place. But when your psoas is jacked, you're setting yourself up for hamstring strains, groin strains, pelvis stress fractures, torn hip labrums, low back pain, upper back pain, shoulder pain, lack of mobility, lack of breathing, lack of endurance, even depression, because this muscle is on your spinal cord. At the bottom part where all of your nerves are and when there's something so heavy and tight on that area it actually can trigger sadness and depression it's been known to do that that that's science that's that's been studied so if you add to your feelings of saying I'm always hurt or I have this nagging pain, or I can't breathe on my run, I'm really frustrated because I don't have the air or the pickup I want. Over time, that gets you annoyed, right, right? So those are real things that you're already feeling. So when you're already feeling that way, the nervous system is already responding that way, now you have this big old blob of a muscle holding that there. So it's not really so far-fetched that it could actually trigger depression, or it could trigger sadness, or frustration, those types of feelings. It's not far-fetched, okay? Because it's your spinal cord. It's the transmitter of all of your signals all over your body. That's where it is, okay? So that's why it's called the the muscle to the soul. The reason we specifically call it the soul to our runner's body is because it dictates whether or not you can pick your leg up or not. Picking your leg up is hip flexion. Hip flexion is sitting, sitting something you do all day long. So you sit all day long and then you want to get up and go run four or five miles at the nighttime and get annoyed that you can't open up your stride. Well, you haven't been running for eight hours. You were sitting for eight hours. So yeah, dude, you're going to have some restriction when you try to get up and go run. It's proven that just sitting down real time, the hamstring is a very temperamental set of muscles. So when you are sitting down real time, you are actually shortening your hamstrings real time. However, you can just as fast extend your hamstrings with the same amount of work combating what you had been doing all day long, so contradicting that action. But nobody wants to do that, none of you do that. You just get up, do a quick little hamstring stretch and go for a run and then want to know why you strained your hamstring. Well, you strained your hamstring because your psoas was conditioned all day long to be flexed. So now you condition whatever is repetitive. So if it's, if sitting is repetitive all day long for eight hours, you're conditioning a muscle in that position. So you have a very flexed position. So if the muscle Because the muscle attaches on the inside of your thigh, you're sitting on it, literally. You're sitting on where it hinges at the butt because it comes up like an L and then it pulls on your spine all day long. So when you go to stand up, you can't fully stand up. Have you ever stood up after a long day of work or after sitting for any amount of time and you can't fully stand up straight? It hurts your back to stand up straight? That's because it's your psoas. Your psoas was sitting all day long, so whatever you do consistently is conditioned. Whatever you repeat is conditioned. Whatever's conditioned is developed muscle. So now you're developing muscle in a flexed position that's also pulling. So you're developing it in a dysfunctional position that then starts to pull on your spine. And then you wanna go and do normal human movement, which is walking, to the extreme with velocity, which is running. For a long period of time that's long distance running so a runner's psoas literally dictates whether or not they're able to do that and it shows up to you as tight hip flexors tight hamstrings low back pain groin pain pelvis pain pelvis stress fractures sartorius muscle pain inner knee pain that's all from your psoas all of it but you treat you're just your IT band, you treat just your hip flexors, you treat your piriformis, you don't ever address sciatica, which is the deeper part of that. You never address your hip function, which is a deeper part of your IT issue. You never address your glute function, which is the deeper part of your hip issue. And you see how this starts to grow? Because it's the deepest muscle. So it takes a really long time to get to it, and most people don't even talk about it. I can't even tell you how many hip injuries I've had with clients who have spent several years in PT, physical therapy, and had no idea what the psoas was. It, it enrages me that anybody could spend years with a patient, because in physical therapy, you're a patient. So they, you spend years with a patient, and the patient has no idea what their psoas is, has never even heard of this muscle. Yet, it is the absolute root of all functionality at the low back, hip, glute, and leg function, literally. 110%. It it enrages me that someone can do this. However, I've gotten so many people that are so injured because they don't know what it is. All the same, all the same. Years in PT, still injured, still same. Still no relief, still the same stuff happening over and again, over and again, over again. They do great things, mobility is not one of them. So this is why it's the soul to the runner's body because it literally is gonna let you know whether or not you're gonna run or not. And if you don't know what your psoas is, you're just gonna get really frustrated and address the wrong muscles or the most superficial muscles out of the whole bunch. And that's really band-aids, that's, that's the issue here. You're really band-aiding it. If you've ever been running and then you feel your back spasm, that is your QL. Your QL muscle connects your ribs to your hips, your rear ribs to your hip crest, your iliac crest. And it aligns right outside of the psoas. This muscle also touches your diaphragm. So if you've ever heard of somebody's back going out and then they can't breathe, this is why. It's because their QL muscle, lower quadrant muscle, is spazzing, and it's spazzing, and when it spazzes, it's actually touching the diaphragm. So the diaphragm doesn't wanna move, doesn't like it. The body is very sensitive, very sensitive. So as soon as you try to go breathe, that diaphragm is not gonna flutter, it's not gonna expand, and then what happens? You freak out because now you realize you can't breathe. So now all your back muscles tense up and now we got a real problem because now you're gonna hyperventilate. And this has happened to me, myself, personally. Not not to mention I was dealing with backs as a 14, 15 year old. I was correcting back pain way early on. So backs are one of my specialties, not only because I have it, but it's one of my longest studies in terms of biomechanics as well as hips. So. These are the same things that are happening when your back is spasming on your run, but here's the ringer. The best thing to do when your back is going out is to keep moving, walking specifically. Not to lay down, not to put your feet up, because the worst thing you could do is stop blood flow. And the moment you stop moving, you stop blood flow. Movement is blood flow. No movement, no blood flow. So if you're spazzing in the back and you stop moving, you allow everything to rock out there and hold steady in that spasm. If you keep moving, you're generating blood flow which requires everything to be systematically in motion. It doesn't have time to seize up. It has to respond to the signals you're giving it, to the request and demands you're giving. It. it has to respond to it. So you disallow it from getting caught up. This. I actually had my back go out on me on a New York City subway at 6 a.m., at 6 a.m. I couldn't breathe, I couldn't sit up, and it was out of nowhere. And I was on the train and I said, okay, let me look around the train. Who on this train do I get a sense that I could trust is gonna actually help me off this train right now? Because I can't breathe and I can't walk. Well, of course, I trusted nobody. And when that train stopped, I just stood up because I had no choice. I stood up and as painful as it was, I was able to breathe better, little by little, better and better as I walked out of the subway. And by the time I got to my destination, my back was totally fine. And I was going into a, I was a fitness director for Beachbody at the time for a test group. So there was no way I was gonna be able to do my job with a seized up back. And I got there and I was totally fine because I didn't stay seated. Like normally you're told to do immediately lay down, put your legs up. No, absolutely not. Don't do it. Now that's all just the QL triggering your diaphragm. Now that's the muscle one step outside the psoas. So the psoas does get involved when that seizing up is happening and the diaphragm is wigging out and all that's happening and you can't breathe. The psoas does get involved but the ones wigging out is your ql and your diaphragm okay when this muscle disallow when the ql muscle disallows breathing you get very stiff and so repetitively over time the over time starts to develop your psoas in a very dense dysfunctional way okay so breathing incorrectly over a long period of time will start to condition your psoas on a breathing level not even like you're lifting weights wrong or anything like that like just breathing your internal muscular system of breathing your heart's a muscle your diaphragm's a muscle your ql is a muscle these are all very very deep muscles that do get conditioned in a way that you'll never do with weights and resistance and stuff like that that you physically see you, you don't it's totally different However still muscle. So the psoas is a muscle you'll never see just the same way. And because you don't see it, you don't think about it, and it's never brought to your forefront as an actual issue. But it's a very large issue because it attaches your back to your hips to your femur. So most of your back pain is really referred hip pain. But the only reason you're having hip pain is heavily from a dysfunctionally developed psoas. So, Going back to the spasming, when you're spasming, if your back is ever spasmed on the run, the reason why it's never become anything is because you're in that motion that's disallowing it from going somewhere. It's It's like the same thing of like, say you're getting angry, it's like monitoring your anger level, like you never get to that real high peak where you literally lose it. You stay like right at you stay at, at, at a space that is like tolerable. You're angry, but you're not taking it to that, to that space that you really don't wanna to go to. That's generally what your body is doing when you're in spasm on the run, because the run itself keeps you in a position provided you don't freak out. If you freak out, your body's gonna seize up, your back's gonna lock up, and it's gonna be really hard to stay running you'll stop running and start walking, but again, you're still moving. You don't even realize this is happening to you, and I'm telling you this is happening. So even if you stop running because you can't breathe, because you're triggering, the spaz-out's triggering all these deep muscles, you will keep moving. It's just natural for you to keep moving because you're already in that process and your heart rate will come down and the muscles will relax and you'll be able to breathe and you'll catch your breath and all those good things. This happening consistently over time is a sign that your psoas is insufficiently providing support to your spine, period. And every time you're raising your knee, every time you're raising your knee, you are pulling all the way up your spine, every single time. Every time you're extending your leg back in push off and extension in the run, you're pulling on your femur, which is pulling on your back. So no matter which way you move your leg, up in front or behind you, you're still pulling it from the spine because of how it's connected. And so the shorter the stride, the more dense and shorter the psoas muscle is gonna be. The more you sit all day long, the more shorter and dense the psoas muscle is gonna be. The more you sit all day long, the more shorter and dense your hamstring muscles become. And so what it really needs is extension flexibility in strengthening and you're not giving it that and so then it shows up in all of these other places that are heavily misdiagnosed and therefore mistreated because even though you may f- have a hip flexor issue it's not why you have a hip flexor issue so when you w- go after the hip flexor and it's not the reason why you have a hip flexor issue it's a waste of your time and so you could feel okay momentarily but it's going to come right back because the root is at your psoas and you have to get to the psoas. So how do you get to your psoas because it's such a deep muscle? I personally have a, I I like to go in on three specific, three to four specific points. A lot of medical professionals will use their hands and go in around your lower belly, your lower abdomen. I don't agree. There are organs there, especially on women, that nobody needs to be pushing around, okay? Um, there's a very, if you go to your end spots and the most sensitive or pathway spots, I should say, you release the psoas. That is your piriformis, center of your glute. That is your hip flexor right in front of your, of your hip joint. A couple of inches down as well, rolling around between your hip, the whole length of your hip flexor, just on top of your quad. And then your inner thigh. Those three spots, three to four spots, are how you release your psoas. You have to be slow, you gotta take your time, and those spots will help you to start release your psoas. Following that with foam rolling your entire back. Yep, Mm mm-hmm, always foam rolling. So I'd like you to foam roll everything first, then do this spot-specific balling and rolling, and then go back to full-fledged rolling. All of that combined will help you start releasing it. Because remember, these are layers and layers of muscles on top of your psoas. So you have to to get those guys good. They're like the bouncers for your psoas. They're they're the security. So if the security is not okay with you, you're never gonna get to the ruler, which is the psoas. Think of your body that way. Every muscle out is a protective of a muscle underneath it. So if this is the deepest muscle of the body, every single muscle has to be okay with you. You guys got to be on the same page for it to even allow you close to the psoas. And that's going to take time and patience and it's not going to happen overnight. This is the most severe muscle to injure. But whenever I say somebody has a psoas injury, they don't actually have an injury to the psoas. The psoas itself is in great dysfunction, causing other little injuries around it, specifically the hamstring, specifically. The hamstring would be the most common fallout for a psoas issue. And then what do a lot of people, not even runners, like not even runners are told this, let alone alone that runners are told this, but people with low back pain are told what? You have tight hamstrings. I'm going to tell you as a dancer, as a choreographer, as a teacher, as a biomechanics expert, as an athlete, nobody has tight hamstrings, not one person you all have dysfunctional hamstrings because you have muscles that are not working and because they're not working, your hamstrings take on the job of other muscles. Whenever one muscle does the job of another muscle, that muscle is in dysfunction and so is the immediate joint affiliated with that muscle. So, if your glutes don't work and the default muscle for your glutes is your hamstring, your hamstrings are now in the stabilizing positioning instead of flexing and extending, which is their actual job. So, because whenever one muscle does the job of another muscle, it sends that muscle and joint into immediate dysfunction. In this case, that would be your hips. Well, where does the psoas pass? Right through your hips. So, if the the glutes aren't firing and the hamstrings are doing the job of the glute and the hamstrings are uh, inserting around the hip joint that in and of itself is dysfunction now we have the hip joint in dysfunction because the glutes aren't functioning and another muscle is so that sends the hip joint to dysfunction so we have a muscle insertion dysfunction we have a muscul- muscul- muscular usage dysfunction we have a joint dysfunction and why would we think that the psoas is not going to be involved in this is with all this going on in the psoas area Why would we not think it's gonna be involved? It's heavily involved. So now the psoas never gets the proper usage, flexion and extension in mobility. So when the psoas doesn't have that, everything gets hitched up. The back muscles are tightening up. The psoas itself pulls on the sacrum, pulls on the iliac crest, which is the the hip. When we put your hands on your hips right now, where your pointer, and your thumbs are, that's your iliac crest. It's not actually, that's not actually your hip joint. Your hip joint is down inside in the lower part of your hip, like your outer outer hip below your side of your hips, like your, where you would touch your hips with your hands. That bone in there, that's your actual hip so- socket and joint. When you put your hands on your waist, what you would say, I'm putting my hands. your hands are on your hips, that's your waist. And that is your iliac crest. Okay? So, you see how just the way we talk in society can really mess you up with what you think you're touching and what you think you got hurt? Sidebar. So, that's your iliac crest. That's if you were to squeeze now, squeeze into that cushion right there, all of that where you're like where your love handles are, that's your QL. That's where your lower quadrant is of your lower back muscles, where you're, if you rub your thumbs up and down on your back, on either side now, of, of where they land when you put your hands on your hips, squeeze your hands into your waist that you're going to squeeze your spine, and then take your thumbs up and down your back. That's your QL, it, and you'll feel your ribs wherever you find your ribs. Just feel your ribs right there. That is where the top of the QL is, and then go all the way down to where you feel bone again. That is where the top of the iliac crest is that the QL touches. And there's a bunch of muscles on top of it, but that's where it is. That's, the, that's where it is, underneath your erector spinae muscles that align your spine and are very superficial, the superficial stuff. But the deep, deep guys are the ones that are involved with mechanics, how things are pulling, extending, flexing, twisting, firing, not firing, joint function, those are the deep guys. And that's the QL and that's the psoas. So if we have all of those guys deeply involved in there and we have dysfunctional glutes, dysfunctional hamstrings, everything in the glute, underneath the glute is the the sacrum joint, the hip joints, all that gets hitched up because all these muscles are super tight. And so everything gets hitched up and just naturally, it's going to pull up the insertion of your hamstring because it's pulling up on the sacrum and the hamstrings insert all underneath there in around your hip joint and all of that. And then everything, your low back starts to arch more. Now you have really bad pain in the arch of your spine. And then somebody will say, oh, you have anterior pelvic tilt. I'm sure you've heard of that. That is... I'm going to tell you is a load of crap, and here's why. You only have an anterior pelvic tilt because your psoas is jacked, because your psoas is so freaking tight that it's pulling on your femur and your and your hip joint, that it's pulling everything forward because your your psoas connects into the front part of your femur and it literally pulls your pelvis forward. And so, I don't care how big your butt you think your butt is, this has got nothing to do with that, okay? This has to do with how dysfunctional or functional your psoas is. Whether you have back flexion or not, does not really matter that you have a curb. I have people who have curves in their spine and have no back flexion. How about that? Because it's just because it's being pulled on. And if you might have a booty, that's got very, it just gives the, it, it accentuates it physically, aesthetically looking at it. That doesn't mean that's the—that's why you have it. Stop that. You can have a big old butt, and it has nothing to do with the fact that your back is curved. It's just being curved because you have a very, a very tight psoas, which is why we also misdiagnose a lot of, quote, heavier people with back pain. They're like, oh, it's weight. Mmm, I don't know, maybe not, not too much. Now, is weight gonna always add a problem? Of course. Of course, weight, the more the more the weight that you're carrying and it's weighing on your joints and your bones, and of course, you're gonna have it's gonna add to it, of course. However, if you're talking to a runner who happens to be quote, heavier, if you will, or on the heavy side or full-figured, or has more weight on them than a thinner runner, okay? I'm speaking, I'm speaking with respect comparatively. We'd have to look at the, the functionality of their, of their psoas before we start saying it's their weight, which is just what people do because people love the body shame people who have no idea what the hell they're talking about and hurt, and hurt people without regard, okay? Get educated and then talk to somebody about their, about their weight first, okay? Sidebar. Most of the time it's because they have a very tight psoas because they have weight and now they're developing a psoas because they're moving in a running fashion which is basic human function and the psoas dictates basic human function and running long distance is basic human function at extreme with velocity. So you're building muscle over a longer period of time and this is how we get injured and get people misdiagnosed with, oh, your back pain is because you're heavy and you have tight hamstrings, because, so that's why you have back pain, and that is all wrong. You don't have tight hamstrings because you have back pain and you don't have back pain just because you're heavy. No, you have a dysfunctional psoas that is disallowing basic human function, which is walking, and you're trying to run for several hours over a long period of time. That's the problem, that's your issue. Everything else is adding to that, sure. But that's not the reason why you have back pain. It is not the reason, absolutely. I can have somebody twice the size of one person and they have the exact same issue with their psoas, exact same pain, exact same uh, pain levels, same dysfunction, same restriction, totally different weight, totally different weight. So what do you say then? It ain't the way then, now is it? No, it's not. Speak, speak with education or shut the hell up. How about that? Because you're out here hurting people's feelings with minimal education. That's a part of the problem too. The psoas is a, very, is a very intellectual muscle. It's a very intellectual corrective muscle. And if you don't have that level of knowledge, stand down, it's that simple. Because you're about to hurt somebody that you don't know about. You're about to make a whole bunch of other problems that you don't know about. Like going after someone's hamstring when you shouldn't like going up the hamstring way too soon because you haven't addressed the right muscles. I've had people who have no real actual injuries but have a psoas dysfunction that's making them biomechanically unsound, which means that they're just not operating right to left, top to bottom well, but they can run, so they're running. Well, anything you do repetitively is conditioning. It's 2.2 pounds of pressure per step, respectively to your weight. So you're building muscle Every time you're running, every time you step, because it's 2.2 pounds of pressure per step on your run. So you're running for three hours. You best believe you're building muscle the whole time. You better believe it. It's just like doing a bicep curl for your armpit, uh, for your armpit, for your bicep. It's the same thing. It's just over a very long period of time. So you don't realize that you're building muscle until you're about three months in. And you're like, oh, wow, look at my legs. Why is that calf bigger than this calf? Why is this quad bigger than this quad? That's why. Because you're in dysfunction and you're running on it, and so you're developing muscle in the exact same dysfunction. You better believe that muscle on your spine is doing the exact same thing. Now, on the other side of it, the psoas is very protective of your spine. So it's also protecting you. Once again, the body is amazing, always protecting you. When I got hit by the truck, I got hit in my back. I did not see the truck coming. It was a Toyota pickup truck. Did not see the truck coming at all, so I had no chance no, or no time at tensing up, which saved me in the level of injuries I had, because if you tense up, it's much worse. Because I was vulnerable to it, I only broke my hip and my leg. <laughs> but they did say at my 51st MRI, the radiologist at that point asked me to come in the room, which they're not really supposed to do, but he said, at this point, I just want to show you something because you've been here so many times. I have to show you. And he showed me the MRI right real life right there. I had just come out of the out of the, the test. And he said, I have never seen a psoas this developed on anybody. And I've been doing this for over 30 years. I'm about to retire. He said, I had to bring you in here to show you how developed and dense your, your developed and dense your psoas is. And I'm going to tell you, this is how you did not break your back. Your soas is so developed that it actually protected your back from being broken in half because of how you got hit and where you got hit was so vulnerable that it would have broken otherwise. And at that point, I had to thank my soas. Thank you, soas. You did your job. Beautiful job. And I credit to, at that point, I had been a dancer for mm, 26 years at that point. So when you're at three years old, you're learning how to isolate your spine from your hips through something we call isolations, which is developing your psoas. Specifically, it's a movement that you actually develop your psoas. So you're developing your psoas in movement. It's an actual strengthening exercise in mobility, which is how humans need to function. So because of that, you do that every day for 26 years, yeah, you're gonna have a developed psoas. So I actually got saved because my psoas was so developed. And so I was like, thank you, dance. Appreciate it. Good looking out. So on the flip side, that's the other side of a very developed dense psoas. It protects your spine just the same. So, but there's a level of understanding muscles that need to build in mobility. Stagnant building is like a bicep curl, a squat, even a step up. To an extent, is stagnant strengthening. You're stationary. You're moving. I call it. I call it strengthening in st- stationary strengthening. Mobility strengthening is like a walking lunge, a wood chop, um, isolations, twisting, doing anything in an X format, and running. <laughs> running is mobile strengthening mobility strengthening so when your body is in movement it's actually strengthening in that movement because you're doing it over and over and over again and there's no other sport like long distance running and I keep saying long distance running because it's very important you understand that long distance running is not the same as track and field running is not running it's not the same thing track and field is very specific movements it's very specific Timing, it doesn't go over a certain period of time. It's on a very restricted area, in a loop, round and round in circles we go. Cross-country running is totally different. It's basically trail running, if you will. That's what it is. Not the same thing as track and field. It's just not. And long-distance running is not the same as either one of those. They're all very different. Cross-country training, cross-country running could... Could be very It simil- could be seen as very similar to regular long distance running, but it's still trail running. It's very different. At some points on trail running, you stop running and you're just getting through like a brook or you're running over rocks and you're like hopping and moving. So not- technically not the same thing. There's nothing like long distance running. You're not stopping for an extended period of time. You're running for hours and hours and hours, one motion forever. There's nothing like that. Football is not like that, soccer is not like that, baseball, basketball, tennis, volleyball, squash. Nothing is like that. Lacrosse, nothing is like that. Golf, nothing is like that. Those are all very specific types of sports that are trained just as specifically. So you have to train long distance running like a human being at the extreme because all you're doing is doing basic walking forever with velocity on it. And when the psoas is the dictator of basic human function and you wanna run a marathon, which is probably gonna take you anywhere from three to six and a half, seven and a half hours, you better be conditioning your deepest muscle. And if you're not, just expect to have hamstring problems, calf problems, hip problems, quad problems, groin problems and back problems and shoulder problems. It is the deepest muscle that I go after, whether I call you out saying you have a psoas issue or not, I'm still addressing your psoas because it's the deepest muscle on the spine. It's the deepest muscle, period, and it's on the spine. Muscle is connected to bone by tendon. There's no tendon here. It's just a blob on your actual spine. There's a ligament, the inguinal ligament, that's way low. And the ili- there's a, you have the psoas and you have the iliac crest. So you'll hear the word iliac psoas. That's putting those two muscles together because there's, there's a point where the psoas comes down and meets the iliac. And they come in together. But then the psoas goes by itself again and attaches at the femur, the lesser trochanter of the femur, which is the inside of the femur. So there's a lot of times you hear those two muscles combined. But that's just because they're grazing one another. And they all have to be addressed at real-time in mobility. You, you, your hamstring is the only muscle, the only muscle that develops in mobility. So the hamstring needs to be left the hell alone so that it can just perform. Assess extension, never hyperextend at the knee, and come back. You should never be hyper-focusing on your hamstring, developing your hamstring, doing hamstring curls and butt kicks. Stop it. You're hurting yourself for no reason at no point on any long distance run. Are you ever doing a butt kick ever? Not even when you come back, if you're coming back in your, if you're in your stride and you're butt kicking, you're in dysfunctional stride. You're not running properly. So stop it. Okay. This is not track and field. And even with my track and field people, I still don't allow butt kicks sidebar Although it would be actually justified as a strengthening tactic for track and field, I personally would not do that and don't do that with my track and field people. I don't, because I know biomechanically how it translates and that's not something we want. You don't want to build and build and build and build and tighten your hamstring and then expect it to explosively run in track and field And in seconds, be able to open up, extend fully, give you full power, full extension. Because the only way a muscle fully contracts is after it's been fully extended. So if if you really need your hamstring to get the fullness and the optimal use out of the hamstring, you need to fully be able to extend your hamstring. But if you're pumping it and pumping it and building that muscle, it can't fully extend because you've tightened it up aha so now now you're going to go run though on track and field so then you can't fully extend it but you're going to push it to extend it and then you snap a hamstring hi usain bolt that's what happened to him go google it go watch his go watch his the last time he ran on his championship and snapped that hamstring when you leave the hamstring alone it develops on the run on itself and it should be developing in mobility in function not not in dysfunction, not in bulk and tightness, that's not going to work. But if your psoas is in dysfunction, it just adds to the whole equation of no activation in your glutes. The glutes not working means the hamstring take on the job of the glutes, which now they become stabilizers. Now they're going to build as opposed to extending. So now they're stabilizing when they shouldn't because that's not their job. And now the dysfunctional use of the muscle creates a dysfunctional joint action. We're looping right back to the psoas and that deep muscle that's, that's going to get all these messed up single, sig- signals and then it's going to protect your spine. It's going to protect your hip. It's going to protect your groin, your femur. It's going to be like, no, I'm not going to let you open up. So a runner who can't get pickup speed, can't pick up his knees, can't get pickup Faster runners, you probably know what I'm talking about a little bit more because you're actually more concerned with your pickup or anybody who wants to get faster and just can't get past that block. I'm talking to you. That's psoas. That's your psoas, not allowing it. It doesn't trust you. You don't have the ability to pick up. You can't push off in the back because you can't open up and extend. You can't open up and extend your hip. It's not because your hip flexor is tight. It's because you have a very thick muscle Attaching at the inside of your groin on the inside of your on either side of your inside of both your legs That's disallowing scissor movement Which is what you have to do to have pickup You have to be able to be extended on one leg behind you and kneeing up on the other leg in front of you That's scissoring That's why you don't have it So now a run pain free runner comes in and is like Jess I actually I'm really sore in my inner thighs I applaud them Good job someone scissoring Someone can open up Someone has a useful psoas now. Praise Jesus. And by Jesus, I mean run pain-free. That's biomechanics. That's digging to it. It takes time. It takes patience. If you really want to get to the root of your ability and your potential as a runner, as an athlete, you have to take your time. And that's really nurturing these deep inset muscles. And when you do that, you're actually nurturing yourself. You're nurturing your own soul because you're running for a personal reason anyway. You're running for a very deep, personal, emotional reason anyway. You're sure as hell not getting paid to do it. You're doing it because it relieves something for you, makes you feel good in some kind of way, or it relieves stress, or it's how you get your emotions out, or you just feel like you, wanna, you, you feel better about yourself when you do it. You just love doing it. You love the feeling, the, the runner's high. You love that feeling. Mm. Well, why wouldn't you nurture the deepest muscle in your body that actually allows you to do that? That just makes no friggin' sense. I want to run because I feel better doing it. It's my stress relief. It's my emotional blanket. Yet, I don't want to address the deepest muscle that allows me to do that. That doesn't make any sense at all. Again, your ability to correct yourself and feel better is solely based on your own will all based on you, whatever you're willing to do, you'll go as far as that, period. It doesn't matter. Everything that's wrong with you is fixable. It's just your level of will, how far you're willing to go to actually do it, how much patience and time you're gonna give yourself to do it, and not for nothing, even though it's a process of learning the depths of this muscle and what it dictates, even though it's a process and all of the fallout and domino effects that it affects and all these other muscles that it, that it, it, it affects, you're still running the whole time. <laughs> Sidebar. You're still running the whole time. You're still working through it. You're still learning every day. You're still feeling your body differently every day. You're still feeling the progress every single run you do. You're feeling better. You're feeling, you, every, you'll are feeling every. you feel every milestone. You'll feel every achievement. You'll see every minute that you took off your, your time. You'll feel it the next day in recovery, how you're recovering faster, how you're able to feel better the next day, how you're not like feeling so full of aches and pains and soreness the next day because your body's actually working better efficiently as a unit and it's not fighting itself inside. The body fights itself to do what you want it to do when you're not even giving it the tools to do so and you have nerve to bitch at it. Isn't that something? Literally annoyed at the very thing that's doing whatever it can to help you. It's like being annoyed at people who are giving you a helping hand and supporting you. How stupid is that? How stupid is that? Why on earth would you be annoyed at people holding their hand out to support you and help you through a rough time or a setback? How stupid is that? Stop it. The body itself is that supportive person within you. Literally. Listen to it. Calm down. Respect what it's saying to you. Give it some attention. Look at where it'll take you. Look at the Run Pain Free newsfeed. It'll show you where it can go. That's what the Run Pain Free Academy is about, runpainfreeacademy.com. Get over there, get some insight, get some support from a real community of people who wanna help themselves and not let you just go down a black hole and be surrounded by people who allow you to do that and enable you to feel bad about yourself. Stop that too. All of this is very emotional and the psoas is the muscle, is the soul to the muscle, is the soul to the runner, is the muscle, is, is the muscle to the body That dictates your soul. It's the soul to the runner's ability. It's so much emotion going on in the base of this spine that you're not even paying attention to. You're just upset about the superficial muscles like the hamstring strain and your calf strain and this one pocket area that, okay. Also, triathletes, by the way. Guess what muscle you're really developing on that bike? Soas. The soas. Yep, You too you're sitting in one movement for how many miles? Hundreds of miles a week, bent over, and God help you if your bike is not the right size. Holy cannoli, literally out of control. You really need to check that. You know how many people, bikers, specifically triathletes, cyclists that I've dealt with over the years that have legitimately damaged psoas because they were on bikes that were the wrong size and overdeveloped, overdeveloped their psoas in dysfunction? Talk about pelvis stress fractures. Talk about hamstring tears. Talk about it. It's insane. It's insane because they don't realize what they're developing in that crouched position. In that crouched position, anything repeated is conditioned. Anything conditioned develops muscle, never changes. I'm gonna repeat it on every single podcast, on every masterclass, on every event, in every session. Every time I talk, I will repeat it because it's important you understand. Anything repeated is conditioned. Anything conditioned is muscular developed. You have to start thinking properly. You are, everything you're doing is consistent. Again, same thing again and again and again and again. That's going to develop muscle. That's how muscle is developed repetitively, repetitively. You would never sit in the gym and, and do tricep extensions for four hours, would you? But that's what you're doing on a run to your psoas, to all of your muscles outside of that. You just don't feel your psoas because it expresses themselves in the superficial muscles like your quads, your hip flexors, your hamstrings, your back. That's what you feel, but you've already you've already so densely developed your psoas that that's why those muscles are expressing problems to you. The psoas is the muscle to the soul. The psoas, the psoas is the soul to the, to the runner's body. And you really, I encourage you to go into the Run Pain-Free Academy and go through our masterclass of the top 10 running injuries because I go I get extensively involved on the psoas and I have a lot of pictures in there and pictures always help pictures are very helpful there's a lot of pictures in there there's a lot of descriptions of fallout and when you see the pictures and how these muscles actually flap over one another you really start to understand how how you could really be injured on these superficial muscles from the psoas being developed in a way that's really trying to protect your spine. If you can't stand up all the way and fully extend your upper body and with a straight leg and lock your knees out, and if you have hip flexor pain when you do that, you have a dysfunctional psoas, period. And it's pulling on your spine and then herniated discs are to follow, by the way. And that's why herniated discs are so common. Pretty much every single, especially in America, pretty much every, every person in America has some type of a herniated disc on some level, just because it's human function. And we, put a, we, we wear backpacks, we wear bags on either side, we wear, wear very heavy bags as children with books, we have poor mechanics, we work out wrong, we work out without preparation to our bodies, we're athlete, athletes very young. We, we develop very bad muscular function very young that just follows us through, the, through life. And it's very common to have a bul- uh, some type of a bulging disc. Super common. You don't have to feel pain to have a bulging disc, by the way, by the way. However, all of my lumbar discs, all of them, all of them are hugely bulging. And I don't have any pain. I don't have any pain because I've addressed and corrected the, the muscles around my spine to support my spine so that the bulging decreases over time. Because the it, when the spine feels protected, the bulging can 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 calm down and doesn't get any worse. Sidebar, I love sidebars, they're bonuses. I should just say bonuses, not sidebar. It's just a bonus, another bonus. So I'm speaking to you from a place of a psoas that is, protective and also destructive. Destructive in a sense that when it's protecting you, it's going to send out dysfunction and restriction for the surrounding muscles and joints to not move fully because it doesn't trust it and it can sense your back is in a compromised position. And you don't want to compromise your spine because you compromise your spine, that's it. That's a done, done deal. You do not want back pain if you've never had back pain, that I can promise you. If you have ever think you've been in pain, you don't know pain until you've been in back pain, that I'll tell you, period. And a lot of pain in your back is referred from somewhere else. It's not even actual back pain. So someone like me who's had actual a hip break and a leg break, that refers to back pain. And then I actually had back pain. I know they're very different. They're very different and you can totally think that your referred back pain is excruciating until you have back pain. So you don't want it, you don't want it. So the psoas' number one job is to protect your lumbar spine which is the largest part of your spine and the most overused and the most vulnerable also. It's where most, the most common discs that are enlarged or bulging are your L4, L5, and S1. It's the lowest part of your back and the top of your sacrum, the curvature in your spine. Oh, what did I just say about that curve? That's being pulled on all the way at the femur inside your inner thighs by your psoas. That's why. So if we address your psoas, guess what we can actually relieve? Low back pain on anybody, not even just runners, on anybody, literally. Share this with somebody who's not even a runner because all we're, when we correct a long distance runner, we're correcting human. We're making an optimal human. Again, no other sport is like that. It's just human function extended. It's human function over a long period of time at optimal with velocity. So when we correct you as a runner, a long distance runner, we're correcting you for life as a human. I always say people who complete the Run Pain-Free Program, bare bone the first six phases of the Run Pain-Free Program, your hips are set. Your hips are good. Never gonna have a hip issue. May have other issues that pop up, but your hips will be good because we aggressively address the hips and supporting that hip function, the hips, the top of the femurs, your sacrum, your lumbar spine, that entire area, we heavily and aggressively address that area because that's the area everything goes up and down. So if that area is solid, everything else has a much better fighting chance at prevention and fixing, correction. So, you real the psoas being that the psoas passes through that whole area, we are we we heavily address it. We heavily get to it. So that we can get the root and then from the root everything spreads out. Everything comes out of that. And all the uh, all the external and superficial muscles get really addressed at a deep, deep level. And so they all the trust starts to come and the body starts to let you move in a way that feels better and less restricted and then you can functionally build your muscles properly and the psoas becomes mobile and supportive all at the same time. And that's why the psoas is the soul to a runner's body and considered the muscle to the soul. And that's it for today's podcast. I hope you got information. I hope you took some notes. Please message us, comment, email us, DM us, share this podcast with your peers, share education with your peers. The more you know, the less fear that is out there. And whenever you have less fear, you're able to address things a lot better and a lot more calmer and logically, and it's better for you all around. Go on over right now and get to the Run Pain-Free Academy at runpainfreeacademy.com. Get your Runners Starter Kit. Get running without pain immediately. Start learning your body immediately. Learn your own grooves. Listen to your body and start understanding what it's saying to you. And you can be stronger after injury. That's a real thing here. Thank you again for listening to me and the Run Pain-Free Academy. I'll check you later. Thank you for listening to today's episode. You're listening to the Run Pain-Free Podcast brought to you by the Run Pain-Free Academy featuring biomechanics, athletic injury correction, and conditioning expert, Jessica Marie Rose Leggio. If you enjoyed today's show, please head over to iTunes, give us a rating, and leave a review.